Well, as you've been hearing, everyone expects an election call this weekend. Some of us just couldn't resist getting together for that. Mind you, Andrew could resist. He's hidden away at his lake. But Chantel, she's in Montreal tonight. Bruce is in Ottawa and here in Toronto. Huffington Post Ottawa Bureau Chief Althea Raj and McLean's national columnist and a host of next week's first national leaders debate, Paul Wells. We'll get to that in a bit, Paul. Welcome, everybody. You know, there, there was a time not that long ago, 20, 25 years ago, when campaigns were eight weeks long. And they, everybody decided, you know, that's too long. We don't need that long. We only need like five weeks. So since then, they've all been five weeks. Now, it looks like we're going into an 11-week campaign. Will somebody explain to me why? Chantal. Uh, I think the first reason is money. The Conservatives have a lot of it, more than the other parties. Uh, by jumping the gun on this five weeks and extending it to 11 weeks, the ceiling of allowable expense goes up. This is a party, remember, that has gotten into trouble in previous elections for overspending uh, money. So by calling it early, and I suspect not campaigning terribly hard or in an expensive way between now and Labor Day, they get to outspend every other party for the parts that really matter in the campaign. Bruce? I agree. I think that the Conservatives have a huge economic advantage. They probably got more boots on the ground from an organizational standpoint and more ridings across the country. And they probably think that they're going to be able to sustain the level of energy and the spending and the advertising at a better rate than the uh, than the other parties are. Uh, but of course, if money was the only consideration, the Conservatives were hard at work spending as much of their money, uh, of our money as taxpayers, frankly, that they could have uh, in the last several months with tax cuts and spending on publicly funded advertising campaigns and so on and so forth. So they've been kind of gorging on our money to help build the platform for their campaign. And now they're going to use their own for a longer period of time because they think that will give them an advantage over the others. Althea, all about conservative money? It is all about the money. Um, I agree with pretty much everybody else. Uh, it's not just the parties that are flush with cash, it's the writing associations too that are flush with cash. And now with the longer extended period, you essentially can spend $200,000 per writing as opposed to $100,000 per writing. But I think also what's at stake here is blunting any third party attacks. Um, the unions are advertising heavily and it's hurting the Tories, especially in places like British Columbia. And they want to make sure to cap, I mean, right now they can spend unlimited amounts of money. As soon as the writ drops, it's like $400,000 across the country in a very small amount just over $8,000 per riding. So it pretty much blends anything like Engage Canada and the unions are working on. Okay, and just so as not to confuse people, when we're talking about third party, we really mean third party, not a political not party. Not political party. But like you say, unions, special interest groups who want to try and get in on the action. Exactly. Paul, what are you hearing? Yeah, the, the caricature that, uh, of Stephen Harper is, is a guy who's always on the attack, uh, always on the offensive. But he's also a guy who worries a lot and, and, and wants to shore up his defensive uh, action too. And, and um, it is an article of faith among conservatives close to Stephen Harper that the Liberals have stayed in power in Ontario provincially for a decade because uh, the unions have been spending uh, money big time for advertising essentially on the Liberals' behalf. And when a couple of groups, Public Service Alliance of Canada and a group called Engage Canada, started to do the same thing with some frankly pretty clumsy ads uh, that, that, that were not necessarily endorsing any other party but were hammering Stephen Harper uh, on his handling of the economy and on, on other issues, um, the, the uh, Conservatives tried two different responses. First of all, 
uh, third parties sympathetic to the Conservatives, former Conservative staffers, tried to raise money of their own and launch ad campaigns of their own. And they got nowhere. And then I think it became more and more interesting to Stephen Harper, this idea of having a long, long campaign during which those groups are forbidden from spending money. I don't think it's going to be a long, action-packed campaign. I think the Prime Minister might be up uh, with coin at the lake uh, pretty soon. But at <laughs> least nobody can spend money while he's, while he's signed it, sort of kind of campaigning. May Some, I just say yeah. one thing? I disagree with you because all these changes were brought in in the Fair Elections Act. So they have been planning yes. this for a long time. This is not just suddenly they decided that they were reacting to it. This has been their game plan for the last two years. Uh, I, I, I agree that the, this was probably in the works long before a clumsy union ad uh, showed up uh, on anybody's screen. But I also think that uh, it speaks to, I agree with Paul that they are not playing offense only that they are playing defense. It speaks to kind of a scramble to grab every advantage in sight, and that is not usually the behavior of a party that thinks it is doing well. Uh, Peter, you and I are old enough to remember one of those eight or nine weeks campaign, 1984, the last time a prime minister called a very long campaign, John Turner, who had a choice. His government wasn't defeated, and remember what happened in that campaign. Uh, it started off nicely for the Liberals, but summer is a very treacherous season in, in political uh, discourse in Canada. And I remember before the debate in July doing door-to-door -door in Scarborough, and, you know, John Turner was sitting pretty. And going back to the same neighborhood two weeks after the debate, and it was an underworld entirely. So long campaigns do not necessarily help the incumbent, even if he's the government, even if, if it has all the means of, of the government and more money. The, the one thing that, the, the, that I wonder about is on Sunday or Monday or whenever it is that you're going to drop the writ, if Stephen Harper gives a news conference, answers questions, one of the questions will simply be that. Why? Why 11 weeks? And he can't answer with either of these two, we got more money or <laughs> we're trying to blunt third party. What's he say? Like, what is he going to say to the Canadian people? Because this is, does not come without an expense. There's public money, extra public money, being spent on an 11-week campaign than there would have been on a five-week campaign. What's the answer, Bruce? What does he say? Well, I think he's probably going to say that um, people criticize him for not being um, very democratic in the way that he approaches governing. And here he is giving people a longer election campaign, more opportunity to scrutinize and judge among the various parties and leaders. So um, he will probably say that. Um, whether or not that has anything to do with the reason why he's giving us a longer campaign is, uh, I agree with the others that that probably doesn't have anything to do with it. But he'll say that. I guess the question you're asking in part, Peter, is will voters buy it? And if they don't buy it, will they be mad about the fact that we're launched into this longer, more expensive campaign? And uh, I'm tempted on the one hand to say, yeah, voters might actually exact a price for this. They might fixate on this a little bit, because that has happened once in a while in the past when this has been done. But there have been lots and lots of things in the last 10 years that voters could have become upset about in terms of decisions that the prime minister made that seemed to be uh, a little bit outside the rules of fair play. And voters often didn't get exercised about that. So, you know, if past is prelude, then it would be a safer bet that voters won't get preoccupied with the fact that we're in a longer campaign and it might cost them a little bit more as taxpayers. Okay. One thing that is true is we've kind of been in a campaign for at least the last month or a couple of months, and all parties have shown us a little bit of what they're about, campaign style. 
And I'm wondering what we've learned since the last time we kind of gathered around here uh, in the last month or so. What have we learned about, uh, you know, tell me what's the most significant thing you've learned about one of the parties um, based on this last four, five, six weeks that we should be watching for as the campaign unfolds. Althea, why don't you start? Uh, well, I think we've learned that the NDP appear to be ready. Um, they were doing a tour of Ontario, southwestern Ontario and northern Ontario just last week, and it pretty much went off, went off logistically at least, uh, you know, gaff-free. They even were testing their war room and uh, launching attack ads against themselves, fake attack ads, obviously, and reacting apparently quite well. Um, but I think we also saw Mr. Mulcair kind of stumble. Uh, he was caught twice in editorial boards uh, saying generalities during his public statements, and then when questioned, he actually had nothing really to say and actually contradicted himself on things like a national auto strategy. So I think he might need to be a bit more briefed, especially when he goes to local areas that have local issues and want, you know, actual real answers and not just platitudes. Um, so we'll see. I suspect that is something they are working on at this moment. Paul, what have you seen? Uh, that the Conservatives are full of surprises. Uh, in 2011, Stephen Harper ran as the sort of dull, uh, angry guy who just wanted to govern and these crazy opposition parties had interrupted him and forced this election and he ran a very minimalist uh, uh, really very prosaic campaign but already in the last week we've seen this crazy early writ drop we've seen uh, his uh, new policy on the Senate to, to, to formalize a policy of not appointing any senators constitutionally dodgy and then uh, his uh, intention to introduce a bill if he gets reelected to make it so that some other party Justin Trudeau can't reform the electoral system without a national referendum, which would be the first national referendum since Charlottetown. Um, I don't think this is all necessarily part of a master plan. Uh, I, I, the, the idea that Harper is some sort of puppet king who has a, has a perfect plan for anything, I don't think that's always the case or, or sometimes even often the case. I think it shows that he is aware, as Chantal says, that he's in tough and that he's going to have to shake things up in order to win that he's not going to win automatically, and he sure isn't acting like I expect we haven't seen anything close to the last surprise from this guy. All right. Chantel, what are you seeing? Uh, I was watching from the outside because I was on leave, and I was struck by the fact that these uh, Stephen Harper, mostly, uh, was the person I found interesting, that he's, he's so not campaigning uh, and taking advantage of the gravitas of a prime minister. A lot of the things that I, I saw from the outside, the, the way those checks were handled, for instance, uh, uh, with the partisan T-shirts at Christmas in July, uh, the, the Senate uh, explanation, I think Stephen Harper would have killed Stephen Harper in a campaign over that announcement. Uh, and then this, this election call, it is, and the people that we are seeing at the front, on the front lines, it is as if this government has not been in power for 10 years, that it doesn't have, you know, all this experience that should be an asset to it, and, and that they are campaigning like the opposition elect us, so we'll stop the opposition parties from changing the electoral system. That's odd. Uh, I won't appoint senators until I run out of senators, which is actually not really a position for a prime minister. And I'll let the provinces decide what to do with the Senate. Uh, I, I found the news conference over the Senate, not the content of it, but the prime minister's body language, very different from the previous campaigns uh, and not terribly convincing at this point. Bruce. Well, I agree that the, the conservatives seem to be very scripted, but I'm not sure that the script is very compelling. It's almost like the, 
the fourth sequel in a movie series that started off well and, and you know, people are kind of patching together things that don't seem to fit very well, don't seem particularly polished and, and don't make a lot of coherent sense, the Senate uh, position being one of the most important. But for me, the answer to the question, what's changed, is a little bit longer time frame than a, than a month, Peter. Last year, if you'd said to me, what is this election going to be about, I would have probably said it's going to be about the conservatives and leadership. You know, the opposition parties talking about what the conservatives have done wrong and voters also focusing on the question in particular whether Justin Trudeau might be the guy who's ready to lead the country next. This year, or at least right now, today, I think there's a much greater chance that this is going to be an election that's going to focus on Tom Mulcair and also a greater chance that it's going to be an election that's going to focus on the economy. Um, we're in this kind of gray zone where people are anxious about the economy a little bit more than they were four, five, six months ago. And I think that's going to put a greater focus on Tom Mulcair, specifically on economic policies. Challenges that he's going to experience are going to be about pipelines, about TPP, and about whether the NDP is really a brand that you can trust to offer the kind of policy that Canadians have generally gravitated towards, which is to say on the center of the spectrum, a somewhat stimulative but also fiscally conservative. All right. I've I got to take a break here. But before I do, I just want to bring in the, the issue of the, the debate, your debate that starts next week, uh, next Thursday night the Rogers debate that Paul will be hosting um, you know none of nobody here spoke about Justin Trudeau in this last round mm -hmm. he's been kind of MIA in the last little while and one assumes he's trying to get ready for that debate which is, may well be more critical for him than anyone yep. what can you tell us about what that debate is going to be like by the luck of the draw the first question on the uh, in the first segment on the debate which is about the economy the most important issue on Canadians' mind will go to Justin Trudeau. And the first leader to respond to Mr. Trudeau will be Stephen Harper. We're going to have a fun night. Uh, it was always a bit of an experiment. It was, uh, I've wanted for two previous election cycles to try and, and, and find a way for McLean's to horn in on the uh, consortium action, uh, the, 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 or the oligopoly of the, of the broadcast networks. That's us yeah. talking about, right? Yeah, we, I wanted to have some fun too. <laughs> yeah. and, but when, when the parties, the, first the Greens and then the NDP and then the Conservatives and then the Liberals agreed to do ours, it was going to be a bit of an experiment. We wanted to be first. It was going to be in the dead of summer. Uh, we weren't sure how many people were going to watch, although I had a hunch it was going to find a really big audience. Now this is the first main event of a very surprising and really crucial campaign and we are confident that people are going to want to check out what all the leaders have to say in our debate next Thursday August 6th yeah you don't want to give the times or anything as well <laughs> 8 to 10 <laughs> Eastern. Yeah, doing a heck of a job there for Rogers <laughs> all right we're gonna take that quick break but when we come back more on the debate what real stakes could they have next week when the leaders meet Welcome back to our special Midsummer at Issue. Chantel is in Montreal, Bruce is in Ottawa, here in Toronto, Althea Raj and Paul Wells. And we heard Paul's big promo for the uh, first debate next week, and it will be. It'll be a great one, uh, I'm sure. What, uh, in terms of the stakes uh, on this debate, first time we've had one so early in a campaign, uh, does this make this one even more important than ones we've watched in the past, Chantel? I think it's important. Obviously, every debate is for every leader. I think it's particularly important for Justin Trudeau because if you look at the trend, this is dangerously sliding 
from his perspective into a two-way race between the NDP and the Conservatives, and he has to go there and come out of there with the campaign still a three-way race. Uh, otherwise, you hear it, this strong, uh, can we get Harper out feeling out there, it's going to coalesce and it won't be around the Liberals. Bruce? Well, I think the stakes were high for Justin Trudeau. I think they're higher still for the reasons that Chantel mentioned. I think he's got to be looking at this as, you know, obviously there's a risk. Uh, if he underperforms, it will kind of confirm some of what's been happening in his numbers, but it's also an opportunity. If he performs as well as the others, then what he really is looking for, I think, is a change in the narrative, a narrative that starts to be, well, he's doing better or he looks like he can do better than perhaps people thought. I also think the stakes are higher for Tom Mulcair, as I was saying before, Peter. I think that he's going to face more questions, more grilling from the others about what he would do with Canada's economy. I'll see you. I agree. I think, well, actually, I, I think it's, it's the stakes are higher for Justin Trudeau than Tom Mulcair because I don't think that if uh, Mr. Mulcair says something stupid in the middle of the debates, the Tories are going to snip it and put it in an attack ad and run it continuously for a month, whereas they probably will do that if Justin Trudeau says something stupid. Um, so I think that, that that's what's going to happen. The other thing that's going to be really interesting is that it's kind of the first time where everybody gets to show their cards. So all the opposition leaders and the prime minister will get to know what the lines of attacks are and what everyone has prepared as rebuttals. And so I, I suspect that in some ways we're going to get to see like the, the cheat sheet that's going to get replayed again in September. Uh, Elizabeth May in this? This thing mm -hmm. will be in this. And she could be a wild card. You never know what might happen. A lot of people are dissatisfied with the choices, are looking around for someone else, and, and, and will be asking themselves once again whether the Green Party is a good, a, a good place to vote. I right. hear that uh, Elizabeth May gets to question Harper on the energy and the environment. Uh, I am so nervous I've forgotten what the order is, but you may be right. <laughs> I thought, well, that, that will be an interesting segment. That could be. Uh, let me show you, you know, we started this thing a little while ago, a photo op of the week. We started in May or June, and there was a good one this week, and I think there was a lesson attached to it. This was last week in B.C. Um, you see Stephen Harper, Christy Clark, meeting firefighters on the line when they're fighting a fire, uh, which prompted... Uh, this reaction from the local news website based in BC, uh, infonews.ca, look at their headline. Man in blue suit thanks firefighters. Uh, there were some people that were not very happy uh, with a politician turning up on the fire line. What's, what's the lesson from this, Paul, quickly? Um, Stephen Harper thinks that he's close to the people and that the elite bubble in Toronto and Ottawa doesn't get him. Sometimes the people are actually have jobs to do. And you can, you can be sort of stylistically close to them, but they're really trying to fight a fire. And you should maybe wait till later before you establish your rapport with them. All right. Good luck next week. Thank you. We'll be watching. And Althea, great to have you with us. Bruce in uh, Ottawa, Chantel in Montreal. Now, with so many things happening, Ad Issue is going to be around over the next few weeks quite a bit. Special sessions the night before and the night of next week's debate. So that's next Wednesday and Thursday. And the following week, the night before and the night of Nigel Wright's Mike Duffy trial testimony. That's August 10th and 11th. And if the election actually is called this weekend, well, we'll just rename the national ad issue. Just kidding, but we will be around for that one too.